Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Change With Him Real Raw Redeemed podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about not needing people. (laughs) In this spirituality journey, the self-righteousness, I used to think, I I don't need you. I don't need you to like me because I like me. And I went from hating me, not liking me, to liking me. And that was a beautiful experience. But there was so much pain, so much sorrow, so much heartache, and so much sadness in that. And I was in that place for a while where I thought, I don't need you to like me because I like me. And I know he loves me. And I got to this place in my journey where I thought, okay, I don't need people to like me. I don't really care whether or not people like me. And that was a fun place to be in. It was a safe space to be in because I really stopped giving a fuck about what other people think. And I read books like The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, and and they resonated with me. But there was also a sense of loneliness with that. And I thought, well... Uh, If I don't need you to like me, that's fine. But I realized that I was always with me. And that was an an internal reflection of the relationship I had with me. If I don't need you to like me because I like me, I love me. And there was a missing piece. I I want him. And when I say him, I'm talking about our Lord, our Savior, our Creator. I want him to like me and I want him to love me. And there was a lot of pain that came with that as well. But I used to think, I don't like, I, I don't need you to like me. I don't care if you like me. Because I don't need to care about the opinions or others. I don't need to take everything so personally. And I, I would read self-care. Self-care. I do that all the time. I put words together. Self-care. That was care and help. <laughs> self-care, self-help books. Self-hair books. <laughs> uh, by like Don Miguel Ruiz, for example, the four agreements. I love that. And then I read the fifth agreement. I'm like, the four were really good. I wonder how amazing the fifth is going to be and the mastery of love and all of his incredible books and the self-care books, self-care, self-help books that that really did help put things into perspective and put my mind into a place of more ease. I wouldn't say the the greatest place of ease, the greatest place of ease I've ever felt my mind be is when my word, my source of strength and my faith is in who God says I am, not who other people say I am. So the subtle art of not giving a fuck and the books like Unfuck Yourself, uh, I, I really loved. And they were books that were helpful and supportive for me in the beginning of my journey when I really thought, you know, I don't, I don't care whether you like me or not, because Don Miguel Ruiz says, don't take things personally. And I would remind myself of the power of those words and the power of the word and the power of tongue. And when I say the word, I'm imagine me nudging you and elbowing you in the side, the word, the Bible. And the Bible doesn't speak that way. It's me that speaks that way. It's culture that speaks that way. Unfuck yourself, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Don't give a fuck. Don't give a fuck. Right. And (laughs) there's so many, so many songs in culture and society that talk about that, this independence. And so we're fed this constantly, continuously, this ultra independence, self-made, self-led, not needing anyone. And this is very, very damaging. And I talk about this in my masterclass, Transform. And and we go into healing these wounds inside Transforming Past Pain to Present Power, my signature program, because a lot of this is programming. And it's programming that needs healing, that needs transforming, that needs changing. And we can do a lot of that ourselves, especially when we're working with the vast unlimited 
power of our internal and unconscious mind through the power of our internal and unconscious beliefs. And that's what I do with people on my, my professional life. And, and the wisdom and knowledge and the word that I want to share with people is you can take it even deeper and even further to a much more profound level when you develop a relationship with the word the word that heals, the word that transforms, the word that changes everything. And if you haven't caught on yet, or by now, the the word that I'm talking about is the word that's in the Bible, the word that's found there. And yes, there's different translations with it. And I used to have issues with that. I'm like, whoa, 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 (laughs) hold up. I'm sorry. You're telling me a book that's 2000 years old or however old it is, it really doesn't matter. I could care less about the age, but a really old and ancient outdated book is going to transform me. I need more up-to-date books. I need the latest and greatest. I need the number one New York Times best-selling book. You know, the one that's sold millions because they published it on the cover of the latest updated version. Five million copies sold. I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm missing out. I need this book. Five million other people have already transformed their lives through reading this book and applying it. I'm behind. And I used to believe that I was behind. (sighs) That's a belief. Hope you heard the word. I used to believe that I was behind. It all comes down to our beliefs. I used to believe that I was behind. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. You are never behind. God is never behind. He's never late. He's never didn't get the invite to the party and showed up late and went, whoops, it's over. Cops are already here. Everyone's leaving because they don't want to get arrested. That's not how this works. And I used to think that. And I used to think that um, I don't need you. I don't need you to like me. I don't care if you like me. I like me. I love me. And then I really took my journey even deeper, even further into this relationship and this experience with God, with Jesus, with my Savior. And he opened my eyes to things that I was blind to seeing before. And the thing is, I was naive, right? Ignorance is bliss. I didn't know and I didn't believe I was ignorant because I was putting so much self-work in, so much spirituality work. I was reading books like that. New York, number one, best-selling books, millions of copies sold. And I was thinking, this is it. This is the answer. But here's the truth. Those are the books of the world. Those are books of the world. And lots of them are wonderful. I love them. I, I really do. I love them, but they're not my favorite. I've got lots of ones that I love, but the one that is the one I love the most and the one that is my favorite now is the Bible because that is actually the book where all those other books came from. The concepts, the theories, the thoughts, the quotes, the ideas all come from the OG book. The like There wasn't a New York number one times bestselling author, publisher, back then, back in the day. They didn't even have publishers back in the day. I don't know. They they were written on tablets. If you look at Moses, hello, he went up to a mountain and like chiseled stuff out on tablets on stone. Could you imagine? <laughs> now our, it's, isn't it funny? Oh, this just came to me. A tablet? Moses chiseled some stuff out on tablets and we use tablets now today. We use tablets, we use iPads. That Moses had the OG, the original gangster tablets. Like he was the OG of God's word. <laughs> like, hey, bro, chisel this out for me. It's gonna change lives. Okay, hold on, God. What did you say? Hold on. Hold on. I got a chisel. Oh, hold on, my chisel just broke. Let me carve out a new one. <laughs> like 
they had it way harder back in the day than we have it now. It's so easy now, but but it's in so many ways so much harder because there's so many more distractions. There's so many different things to go to. There's so many books to read and which book do I read that's going to change my life and, and transform my life? There's only ever been one book and we have access to it now. And a lot of us say things like, oh, it's old and it's outdated. How is that relevant? How is that? How does that have any relevance on my life? today. It's old. It's outdated. Uh, all that crap happened a long time ago. First of all, it wasn't crap. And uh, have you read it? <laughs> the same shit is happening today that happened then. There are wars. There is famine. There is heartache. There is heartbreak. There is adultery. There are people cheating. There are people lying. There are people murdering. There are killings. There are mass worldwide things going on. It's very, 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 very relevant. <laughs> it's actually much more relevant because it's not just one book. It is, I don't know exactly how how many, but it is written by many, many, many authors. It's like 64 books, maybe. Do not quote me on that. It's a lot of books and it's a lot of authors. So it's this great all-in-one and I think we're all we're all looking for that. We're all looking for the one book that will change our lives, that will save us, that will transform us, that will heal us. I know why it was. And that's why I read so many of them. And all of them had good guidance, good advice, good words of wisdom, good words to live by, like like the four agreements. Don't take things personally. And when I applied those into my life, they they were helpful. But I always felt like something was missing because it was. Like I was looking for things in the ways of the world and in worldly books, not godly books. The Bible is the only book that is God breathed, that he is the author. He he didn't write them himself or him, themselves, himself. He had other people write them. Um, a lot of them, you know who the author is. Matthew, hello, author's Matthew. Mark, hello, Luke, John, Paul. Like you know who the author is. But And you're like, well, it's not God. If God is so great, why wouldn't he write it himself? He was busy breathing life into the words and someone else wrote it, but the words come from him and they came through other people, but they're his words. And other people, when they sit down to write their own book, I've written my own book. It's called Three Little Words. It's a prayer journal. I love it. It's phenomenal. It's available on Amazon and it tells the story, my testimony. And some of those, I'm like, those are my words. They're not words from God. Like, I'm not that cool. I'm not, I didn't write the Bible, but I'm cool enough to read the Bible and not be too good for it. Not be so, I don't need that. <laughs> no, that's old, that's ancient, that's outdated. What relevance does it have in my life? I'm not too cool for school. I'm not too good for the Bible. Nobody is, but a lot of people act as if. They act as if they are, and we're looking for words of guidance and wisdom and transformation in worldly things. And it may be self-help, self-care books. And those are not bad. That's where I started my journey as well. And it led me to not caring what other people think about me. But you know what? There's another side to that coin. It also led me to feeling very lonely. It also led me to living at what I call the F life and, and the P life. And we talk about those in the archetypes of the emotionally abused and neglected in my masterclass. We talk about the F me, which is the fake me, the fraud me, the P me, which is actually the perfectionist and procrastinator. But I also say that it's, oh, I just lost my thought. It'll come back to me. Uh, that, oh, the pretend me. 
which goes along with the F me. I pretended like it didn't bother me. I pretended like it didn't hurt that, that I really did. And so I, I continued to live a life where I was lying to myself. I'm like, oh, you know, I don't care if you don't like me. I did care. I do care. And I was really proud of myself because I was no longer going to live a life bending over backwards and allow other people to overstep my boundaries and use abuse and take advantage of me because I was nice, because I was kind, because I was loving, caring, and giving. And and when I started reading the Bible, I had some real frustrations with it in the beginning because it speaks to Jesus loving the weak, the meek, the lowly, the poor. And I struggled with that because I didn't want to be weak. I wanted to be strong. I felt so weak through going through narcissistic abuse and past emotionally unavailable relationships where I gave a hundred percent and they gave maybe five just to keep me around. And I felt horrible about myself. And so I would pretend when I would say, I don't care if you like me, I like me. I don't need you to like me. And although there wasn't a need, really the only need that I know that I now have is for a relationship with Jesus. I I need that. If I don't have that, I don't have anything. I really don't. Nothing else matters. That matters most. But I, I would live life through those words and saying that. And I felt like I was still living an empty life in many ways because I would say things like, I don't care if you like me. It's I'm not taking things personal. And... I really was. So I still lived a life lying to myself, even though it helped because I could understand other people were all humans. We all do this. We're projecting our inner unhealed wounds and pains onto other people. And especially when you're in a relationship with someone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, there, there is an even higher level of intensity when it comes to projected pain. And I don't know a single person walking this planet that says it's easy to not take things personally. We can practice this and it becomes routine and practice and the things that we practice, we get better at. I read books about with mastery level, how to master a skill, do it for 10,000 hours, right? So, okay. How many hours have I practiced not taking it personally and reminding myself that I don't care about what you say about me or think about me? I don't care. I don't give a fuck and live life in that way. But a lot of times where there's a state of mind and it's not so much a state of mind, there's a state of heart. What is in your heart? And what was still in my heart when I was living through that, I don't care what you care about me. All I care about is what I care about me. There was still something missing. My heart was still in a posture of hurt. My start was my heart was still in a posture of defensive, like a defensive position where I needed to be on the defense all the time. And if you know anything about the nervous system, the parasympathetic, the, the the, what is it called? Parasympathetic nervous system. I was just watching a video on it this morning. Uh, The fight, flight, freeze response. And you're still in that state of fight or flight when you're in that. I don't care what you think about me. I only care what I think about me. I love me. And that's what matters. What matters most is what I think of me. And my opinion of me is high. My opinion of me is that I'm worthy. My opinion of me is that I'm deserving. And we we try and tell ourselves all these things. And then if we read a book like, okay, you've got to get to self-mastery, mastery of self in this lifetime, self-actualization, all this stuff that all the gurus talk about. Um, the OG guru is God. The OG guru is Jesus, God with a bod. So why not look at the way that he lived his life and the way that he guides us and the principles and methods and foundations and ways that he says, if you live your life like this, you will live your life for me. Therefore, you will be fully satisfied. I will make sure you are, I, I provide you living water. You don't need to worry about going out and getting your Voss and Whole Foods not having your Voss anymore. Oh my God. Can you believe they were out? <sighs> 
you don't ever need to worry about it running out because your cup is going to run over with it. Overflow. He wants you to live in overflow. He wants you to live in abundance. He wants you to care about what other people think about you, but not to the point where it takes you away from what you, what, from what he thinks about you. He doesn't want you to stop caring about what he thinks about you and not to live in shame. This is what I had to really process is that he doesn't want you to live your life in such a way that you're constantly living in fear and shame. And a lot of times when I read the Bible, it would say, fear God, God's judgment, God's wrath. And I'm like, fuck, I'm not perfect enough. We don't need to be. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die for us. So that when he sees us, he sees his son, Jesus, he sees perfection. He sees shame. As long as we repent and we turn against our ways and we are putting an effort to, to do better. I don't like the word try, try intent and intense failure. So to do better, it's an action. Love is an action. Love is, is a, is a verb. It's a doing, it's a state of being. Are you being loving and are you being loving to yourself and are you caring about other people? And so when we say things like, I don't care about you, I don't need to care about what you think about me. All I need to care about is what I think about me. That's so far from the actual truth. That's so far from reality. And so we're living in that world like I was in for a long time. It felt like I'm living in a world of lies still. And I couldn't figure it out. Like I've done so much work and I've read all these books and I work with people to transform their unconscious minds and what's going on. Why, why does it still feel difficult in this area of life? And then I, for me personally, it was that missing piece. It was that critical component. It was the cornerstone. It was like, I had all the other stones laid for the foundation, uh, like building an ark, right? Like a rainbow, the sign of the covenant, like building an ark in that cornerstone I hadn't yet put into place. And that's the one that holds all the others into place. So should you say, I don't care what you think about me. I don't need to care what you think about me. My opinion of me is what matters most. Yes and no. It, it's a yes. <laughs> like one of my pastors at church, he talks about, is God the God of truth or is God the God of grace? Yes. Is it truth or is it grace? Yes. And we often look for this either or, is it this or is it that? Is he, is he going to bring down the wrath of punishment and judgment? Is he seeing everything that I do, watching everything I do, going to judge me for everything I do? Or is he the God of love? Does he actually love me? Did he come to save me? Did he come to transform me? Did he come to walk with me through all the things in life? Not just the good, not just the bad, but through it all, through it all, through it all. My eyes are on you. And where are we putting our eyes? That's a beautiful worship song. Go look up the words. I don't know who sings it, but I'm often reminded of words of songs that bring me back to the truth. And through it all, I do care, care about others. I care about what, what he thinks about me. I care about what I think about me. I care about the mental health and state of other people and where their heart is postured. I care about where mine is postured. And if mine's not postured in the right state, how can I help others posture theirs in the right state? And I fully and firmly don't believe that you can have your heart in the, in the best posture for you without a relationship with him. I believe that he's the one that comes in and kindly and safely and easily and gently changes the posture of your heart. For all you women out there, maybe you men have experienced this as well. When you're pregnant and you're giving birth and there is the baby is in the wrong position, the baby is breech, a doctor will go in and stick their hand 
up a woman's vagina and change the posture of the baby, alter and move and manipulate the posture of the baby so it can come out safely. I know that's a wild and crazy vivid description, but that's what God does with our heart. It's like his spirit, the Holy Spirit reaches in to our body and does it a lot more gently (laughs) and with a lot less pain. Sometimes there is pain involved though. Like the doctor does, reaches into our body and alters, shifts, moves, transforms, and changes the posture of our heart so that things can go the way they're intended and designed to go. A baby is not supposed to come out feet first. It's supposed to come out head first. And there's a reason for that. He created that. A, it's a lot less painful on the woman giving birth. And B, uh, it doesn't break off the baby's limbs and extremities when they're coming out because it's designed to come out head first and everything else follows. Jesus and God are designed to be the head of your life so that everything else can follow. And that's what he does through the power of his Holy Spirit. It's three and one and one and three. It's multiplication. It's not addition. He he reaches into your body and alters, moves, transforms, shifts, and changes the posture of your heart so that it's not so, I don't need anybody. I don't care about what you think of me. All that matters is what I think about me. And I think I'm the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> and that's the way to live an amazing life. You should care about what you think about you. And I hope that you do. And I hope that you speak kind words over you. I hope you you pray wonderful things over you and over others. But the truth is, just like the baby is supposed to be head first as it comes out of the woman's vagina, God is supposed to be head first. Because then everything else follows and flows and goes the way it's supposed to. I don't know where that reference came from. But I just imagine when my daughter was born, slipped out of the vagina. (laughs) Like that is the way it's designed to go. And and that's the way our lives are designed to go with God being the head, the head of our household, the head of our lives. It's just like that metaphor of birth. And, And if things are postured, if they're turned around, if you're living your life like a breech baby, this get to this point and you're living life like through self-help books and you're reading books and they're wonderful books I love them I've read them I I like them like unfuck yourself and uh, you know subtle are not giving a fuck you should to the degree where you're not closed off and turned off to being extending compassion extending grace extending forgiveness for those who have wronged you, loving your enemies. We had an episode on that and fuck was that hard to do, but God helped me with it, through it. He was there with me when I felt twisted, when my heart felt like a breached baby. And I'm like, this is so hard to get out. It wasn't meant to get out in that way. It was meant for him to come in and change the position of it so it could flow out. And now forgiveness, kindness, acceptance, gratitude, understanding pours out of my heart towards those people that I'm like, I don't care about you. Yes, I do. I do. Because if God does, I'm called to too. And we're called to care about ourselves and we're called to care about others. We're told love God, love others. It's quite simple, but we make it complicated and it gets complicated just like a breach birth when things are turned around and they're not 
they're not going the right direction. They're, they're not angled in the right way. And that's what God does when we let him, he's not going to force his way in. He's not, he's not a doctor with, with the arm that's like, spread your legs, here I come. And you're like, ah, what's ready for that? Please give me that epidural. <laughs> like, that's not the way he is. He's not going to come in with force and be like, ready or not, here I come. He's, he's not like that. He, he will wait. He's will knock on the door, just like a doctor does. Oh, I just triggered my dog. <laughs> God is going to knock on the door of your heart. He's knocking on the door of your heart and he's asking, may I please come in? I want to help you. It's like the doctor knocking on the door and you're, you're the one in labor. It's funny because the Bible talks about labor pains and the pain of childbearing and childbirth. And the doctor outside knocking on the door and saying, hey, may I come in? I know you're in there. You're in a lot of pain because of the position of that breech baby. It's the same analogy and metaphor. I know you're in a lot of pain because of the position of your heart. I'm, but God's not the doctor who's going to barge through the door and knock the door down. He's going to stand there. I'm not going to knock. My dog will start barking gently and kindly and say, hey, I'm here on the other side of the door. May I please come in? And it takes you being the one to say, yes, come in, help me. And that's what he wants to do for you. So if you're in that position of where I was, like struggling, looking for something, anything, and you've been looking for it in the ways of the world or in self-help books, like I was in the beginning, and you're still in pain, you've, you've changed a little bit, like you've made some progress. Maybe the baby is moved position. You're not in so much pain, but it's still not where you know you feel like it should be. That for me was the missing piece. And that was when I when I said, yes, come on in. And it was like letting the doctor in to come in and help you reposture, reposition. I know that's a crazy analogy, but that's just what came to me. And, and the Holy Spirit does that with the posture of your heart. And then you can give birth the way birth was designed and intended to with much more ease with grace birth being obviously the metaphor for your life and not having that attitude of, I don't care. I don't care what you think about me. All I need to care about is what I think about me and I love me. Okay. You're supposed to, God wants you to care about yourself and love yourself. And he also wants you to care about and love others. And that's what he wants to help you with. Cause sometimes it's really hard to do and you're not meant to do it alone you weren't created to do it alone the plan the intention was not to do it alone it was to do it with him that's why this podcast is called the change with him wild that was a cool metaphor that came through i feel like things come through me during this podcast and i love sharing them with you i feel honored to have the space to do so so if you have found that your life is in that position and you're ready for it to be in a new and different position, for me, it was hearing the knock on my heart, <laughs> just like the doctor's knocking on the door going, hello, I'm here and come in and saying, come on in. So I invite you to do that now. I invite you to take a deep breath, close your eyes. And open up the Bible. Like all these self-help books, they're fantastic. Read them. Also read the Bible. Please. For you. 
not for me, because I care about you and because I want you to find a love that saves you. So close your eyes if it's safe for you to do so and say these words with me, Jesus Christ, come into my life. I hear you knocking the doors open, come on in. And much like the baby and the pain and the woman who feels that they're not in the right position, the baby's not in the right position to safely come into this world. I invite you to invite him into your heart and into your life to come into this new world, to have a new healed, beautiful, caring, loving perspective and relationship with yourself and with others. I love you guys. I'm praying for you. I'll see you soon.